2: With deep
4: jawbreaker eyes, red rope hair, gum
5: drop lips, cotton candy thighs, you my candy!
6: Hey crazy kids, welcome to podcast number 22. Fellas, what's on the show today? Well, we have a discussion about America's favorite pastime. You mean
0: Pokemon Go? No, I mean baseball, Greg. (laughs) We also have the top 10 Boggy Creek monster sightings. And, of course, a scholastic book reading and a 70s
6: scary story record. Plus much, much more. So join me, Greg. And Uncle
3: Frank. And Jimmy Sweets. For one wild ride. (laughs) So let's get started.
7: then and it scares me now
3: I think most of us became aware of the Fauk monster through Charles B Pierce's film The Legend of Boggy Creek back in 1972 or a year earlier in 71 from the newspaper articles written by Jim Powell people were thrilled and fascinated for a time and then moved on thinking of the creature as an early 70s phenomenon But this southern sasquatch has been reported since the 19th century and continues to be seen to this day. So this month we're going to have our 10 favorite Boggy Creek monster sightings, 10 out of the many that have occurred over more than a century. We'll start with one from the 1800s. In 1851, a man named Hamilton and a friend saw a large hairy man-like creature in Greene County. It appeared to be chasing some cattle but stopped when it saw the two men. After staring at them for a moment, the creature ran out of sight into the wilderness. The hunters measured its tracks and found them to be 13 inches long. This was reported in the Memphis Enquirer and the Arkansas Gazette. In 1932, near Jonesville, Arkansas, a man sitting on his porch saw a hairy, man-like animal cross his property and then disappear into the woods. 1946 The Texarkana Gazette reported a woman near Falk seeing a strange animal in the field by her house. It looked kind of like a man and walked like a man, but she didn't think it was a man. In 1955, two men in Jonesville saw a hairy man-like thing cross the road while they were driving one night. They said it walked like a man, but it was too hairy to be a man. 1966 a man reports that a creature has approached his house at night on several occasions. On one of those nights, it let out a screaming sound. 1971. Willie Smith finds three toad footprints in his soybean field in Falk, Arkansas. At the end of April in 1971, the Ford family heard something outside their house late one night, but thought little of it. Later on May 1st, as Elizabeth Ford was sleeping on her couch, something hairy reached in through the screen window. Luckily, her husband and brother returned home from a hunting trip at that time and chased the creature away, firing at it with their guns. Later after midnight, Mr. Ford was on his porch keeping watch when the creature attacked again, throwing him to the ground. Mr. Ford was taken to a hospital in Texarkana, for wounds and mild shock. Three-toed footprints were found near the Ford house the next morning. In 1977, near Falk, Arkansas, a man who was fishing saw a hairy, man-like creature eating a flowering plant. And in 1993, on Highway 71, at 2 a.m., five people, two in a pickup, two in a car, and one in a semi, saw a large, hairy animal standing on the side of the road. They all pulled over and stopped about a hundred yards from the beast. After a few minutes, the creature ran into the woods on two legs. And finally, this year, 2016, a paper carrier was driving south on Highway 71 at 4 a.m. when a big hairy thing on two legs stepped into the road and crossed it, then disappeared into the woods. The paper guy then pulled over to the side of the road, maybe to calm his nerves, and that's when he smelled the horrible odor. And so the Boggy Creek monster continues to shamble beneath the pitch-black skies of Arkansas. Who knows when the next sighting will occur? Sounds like it's time for a road trip.
0: From Carnegie Hall, that great entertainer and musician, Liberace.
8: I thought I'd slip into something more casual. (laughs) This is one of my sport coats. (sighs) Don't ask me what sport. Oh, you're just marvelous. Oh, and listen, I got something to tell you. I got something to tell you. My concert had ended in Carnegie Hall. And all of a sudden, I heard someone call. From up in the balcony, way up high, a teenage voice let out this cry. Hey Libby, let's do the twist. Come on, Libby, let's do the twist. If you want to see Carnegie Hall rock, Forget your Brahms, Beethoven, and Bach. Do the twist.
5: Levy. do the twist.
0: 1977 brought us many wonderful things, including a and Records' Halloween Horrors. The covers of this album were beautifully painted by Gary Meyer. We especially liked the back, which features three hideous witches. The record was beautiful, too, featuring the voice artist Michael Bell, who was Duke in the 1980s G.I. Joe show, and Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime. So now we give you side A of Halloween Horrors.
7: Oh boy, what a night to be driving. And it's Halloween too. Oh, it's creepy. Oh man, what I'd get to be back at home, snug and warm. Wait a minute, what's that up ahead? Ah, gas station. Uh, pardon me, is this the way to Elm Hall Plantation?
5: uh, Yes, yes, yes it is, but no one's there. I'd advise you to turn back. It's not safe in
9: this weather.
5: Thanks.
7: into situations like this anyway. Who would have thought a week ago I'd be here, driving on a lonely, dark road looking for an old mansion? Well, what can you do? Last week I received that letter informing me that I had inherited an antebellum mansion just 20 miles outside of Natchez, Mississippi. It was left to me by my great-grandmother who lived there all of her 90 years. Boy, that's a long time. I see. The mansion was built, I think, in 1820. And according to the stories I've heard, it has a very mysterious and tragic history. I believe one of my ancestors as a small child fell to his death from a high window in the old place. It was very mysterious as the story goes. As I recall, the window from which he fell was never closed following the accident. That's kind of weird. Anyway, the child's mother never recovered from the loss, nor did she ever leave the house again. Years later, she passed away. Her mind, that of a little girl, ever since the night of the accident. I've heard that she only walked at night, clad in a gossamer white gown, breathing the only word she ever said for the rest of her life. My baby. Have you seen my baby? Oh, I talk about creepy. Legend has it that on stormy nights like this... Oh, they don't get any stormier. A white ghost-like form glides down the long corridors of Elm Hall. And it's even been said that some have sworn to have heard a cold, whispering, childlike voice saying, "My baby, have you seen my baby?" Ah, that's silly. Things like that only happen in the movies. And yet, legend also has it that those who have heard the voice have died tragically within the next year. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how these stories get started and are passed down from generation to generation. yet... The eldest son of each generation at Elm Hall has always died mysteriously before his twenty-fifth year. Wait a minute! I won't be twenty-five until next week. Hey, got to be careful, old boy. <laughs> oh boy, this storm looks like it'll never let up. And the lightning! Whew! Huh? I wonder what it was like in the old days. Plenty of servants, I bet. Horses, carriages, and those ah. Oh. Beautiful southern bells. Ah, yes. Riding off to war with Beauregard. My old Elm Hall was certainly a pride of the Old South. I bet it's a wreck today. My luck. I seem to remember another story about the old place. What what was that? Oh, yeah. Something about one of the daughters who was exceptionally beautiful. In fact, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember an old photograph I once saw of her. And she was beautiful. Even in that old-timey picture. Let's see, I I think it was during the Civil War. That's it. Her name was Elizabeth, and she fell in love with a Yankee lieutenant. When her father found out, he went into a wild rage and told her she couldn't see the young lieutenant again. For weeks, she just stayed in her room. And then one day, news came. Her lieutenant had been killed in the war. That afternoon, she rode her favorite horse. Oh, wow, what was his name? Uh, Dancer. That's right, dancer! She rode dancer down to the Mississippi, and her horse returned home to Elm Hall that night, riderless. As I remember the story, about a week later, some young boys fishing on a sandbar saw her float by. Her body was returned to Elm Hall, and she was buried in the family cemetery on the grounds of the plantation. They say that on summer evenings, when it's deathly still, some people can hear a rush of wind like like a rider passing by and the Spanish moss hanging from the old tree in front, parts, like someone has just passed through. Oh boy, that's creepy. Some say it's Elizabeth looking for her lover, and yet others say it's her favorite horse, dancer, looking for her. For every day, for the rest of his life, her horse would walk, riderless, to the Mississippi, and wait patiently until nightfall for Elizabeth to return. And then he would walk back slowly in his grief, to Elm Hall. Wait a minute, there's something up ahead. It, that's it, yeah! That's the old place, that's Elm Hall! Well, don't just sit in the car, Stephen. Go in and have a look around. window upstairs. It's open and the curtain is flapping wildly. Look at that. There seems to be a light on up there. No. Come come on, there's no light on up there. Steven, you're imagining things. Oh boy, it's still creepy. front door is open. Good. It's not locked. Glad I brought this flashlight. Hope it doesn't conk out on me. Oh, wow. What a beautiful place. It is kind of eerie, though. Hmm, this must be the living room. Wait a minute. No, no. It's the front parlor. That's what they called it. Look at those drapes. Oh. (coughs) Oh, great. (coughs) All that dust.
4: Mm.
7: I'll never get it out of my nose. (coughs) Wait a minute. Look at that marble fireplace. It must be worth a fortune. What's that? This seems to be a portrait over the fireplace. It's... It's Elizabeth. Has to be Elizabeth. The girl who lost her lover in the Civil War. Boy, is she beautiful. Hmm. It's it's almost like going back in time. Wait a minute, there's a, a a pipe organ over there. That's gotta be worth a fortune. And look at that, another portrait. Let's see. It looks like it looks like a Confederate general. I wonder who he is. Oh my. Holy cow. His eyes moved. No, they couldn't have. They didn't move. They, they couldn't have moved. I'd have sworn his eyes moved. His eyes look real. Uh, all right, now stop, stop. Steven, get a hold of yourself, boy. Now, come on. It's only a picture. The eyes didn't move. Even though it looked like they did. All right, let's go in the hallway. Come on. Oh, Darn. Here goes the flashlight. What a time to go out. What's that? Is that the wind? No, it's footsteps. Oh, no. Oh no, don't let this be happening to me. It's just my imagination. Oh no, they're coming nearer. They're coming nearer. Oh, my heart is pounding. Stop. i got to stop my heart from pounding. Because they're going to hear me. Stop. Oh, I can't. They're going past me. They must have seen me. They must have seen me. They must know I'm here. I can't see anything. It's so dark. a light or something down at the end of the hall wait wait a minute this it's somebody it's somebody coming down here it looks it looks like a a woman i think she's wearing a white gown she's coming this way she's she's looking right at me but wait a minute she's looking right at me but she doesn't even see me right through the wall it's like a dream that's it it's a dream it's a dream it's just a dream Stephen. oh my heart's about to explode good lord what's that oh it's right here it 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 just missed me i it feels like a a coffin no no it can't be a coffin oh don't let it be a coffin wait a minute i I think it's a, a a grandfather's clock please let it be a grandfather's clock please what's that Oh no, not bats. Bats! I can't stand bats! Get 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 away! Get get away from me! They're in my hair! Get, get I can't take this any longer. I'm getting out of here while well, I still can. Where's the front door? It's it's this way. No, wait a minute. I, I I think I think I think it's this way. Oh wait a minute, wait, stop, stop. You you gotta think straight now. Now now stop. Where are you? You took a left? You took a right? Get me out of here! Get me out of here! Wait a minute. It's the door. It's the it's the door. It won't open. It won't open. It's it's it's, it's got to open. Open up, open, open up, door, please open, please, door open. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. Oh, oh thank heavens! It opened. Wait, what's that? What's that? A horse. A horse. I'm getting out of here before I go mad. Oh, no! The car won't start! Darn it! Start! We... Stop. Stop for a second. It'll start. Just turn the key too hard, that's all. Just turn it, easy, and... Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: Thank
7: you. Thank you, car. Thank you. I'll never go near that place again. That's it. I've got to unload that place. I don't care what I get for it. I've got to unload it. I'll take anything. Is this the right road? I hope I'm heading towards town. I must be getting near that town by now. Yeah, there's the gas station. Oh, good.
5: Well, well, well. Y'all went up the old place after all, huh?
7: Yeah, look, could you tell me where I can spend the night? Uh, A hotel, a motel? hotel,
5: now, let's see.
7: The Jeb Stewart Hotel is a right nice place, and that's just down
9: the street away.
7: Yeah, I saw that place when I came into town. Look, is there any place else? No, that is the only place in town. But uh, I'll tell you, it's the finest hotel we have in these parts. I know, 'Cause I own it. <laughs> oh, boy! One other thing: is there a real estate firm here in town? Yeah. Well, now you all be talking about the Dixon Company. Dixon Company. Yeah, huh? And it, it's it's the, the, the only place, place in, town. in town. Yeah, I figured as yeah, much. And I own that too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now, pretentious readings from Scholastic Books.
3: We reach in again tonight into that receptacle of horror known as Bernhard J. Hardwood's Vampires, Werewolves, and Other Demons and bring you the Headless Scholar. A low-ranking scholar of China named Li Yu who was tutor to a family living some distance from his home, once obtained time off in order to perform some necessary ceremonies at his ancestral tomb in Ming. On the day after he returned home, his wife entered his room to awaken him, only to find his headless body lying on the bed without a trace of blood. She ran from the room, screaming in alarm, and was promptly arrested on suspicion of having slain her husband. While she was in jail awaiting trial, a neighbor who was out gathering firewood on a hill noticed a coffin lying near a neglected grave. He was suspicious, for the lid was partially open, but instead of investigating by himself, he went home, told several friends, and together they went to see what they could discover. Approaching the coffin cautiously, they moved the lid. To their horror, they found a corpse inside that had the face of a living man. Its body was covered with hideous white hair, and clutched in its hands was the severed head of the unfortunate Li Yu. The corpse held the head so tightly that they had to chop off its arms in order to free it. When this was done, fresh blood gushed out from the arm sockets. Li Yu's head, however, was completely dry. When the local magistrate learned about these ghastly happenings, he ordered the corpse burned, Li Yu's widow released, and the charges of murder against her dropped. summer and that's got us thinking about baseball it's called national pastime but for our family it was more like a love affair and that started with my grandfather frank who once came to my aunt linda's fifth grade class to take her out of school and when the teacher asked why he said he was taking her to a dedication to a ballpark in virile beach and um, that's back when it was the dodgers uh, the dodgers spring training that was the first time they had a stadium out there and she said, you can't take her. She's going to go to school. And he replied, she can go to school any day, but how many times she's going to go to an opening to a stadium? So, <laughs> And that just uh, followed us all the way back through my dad and into us. So we're going to tell stories tonight, baseball stories, our weird and wonderful experiences with the game, and we'll be joined by others that we recorded earlier. So get out your programs and keep score, because the game's about to begin.
6: I think if we're going to start any talk on baseball, we need to share about the man who all probably inspired us to love baseball. And for me, that was my grandfather, both of your father, of course.
3: Uncle Frank and uh, Jimmy Sweet's father.
6: I once said that I bleed Dodger blue because of my grandfather. And this nurse told me, well, your blood is blue before it hits oxygen. But anyway, it's
3: because of my grandpa. You used to watch the the beer leagues, which are all the different... uh... They were just like local teams, and everybody that had a... A, a, a brewery. A, a brewery, which was like... It was like craft beer now, but it was uh, all over Wisconsin. That's just the way of life.
6: How did he get into the Yankees and the Dodgers? Like, this?
3: Oh, I think just because they were close. And maybe his Thank dad was in that, because look at His dad was, you know, into going... To, he, he wanted to see the opening of spring training <laughs> thing. I mean, big deal. But uh, hey, he loved you it. watch your tongue, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but the... Uh, I'll let Pete and Jeff tell you about the early days when
10: they went. We had a station wagon, and as many people as we could put in that station wagon, we would take. And people would be in the back, and we'd be all squished. And um, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And of course, Dad was a Yankee fan, so every time the Yankees came in, we saw like two of the three games.
11: I don't know how I could drive down there with all these guys yelling and shouting. I just remember... Dad would get home from work just on the spur of the moment and just say, Hey, let's go to the baseball game. And I just remember going up and down the alleys just saying, Hey, you want to go to the baseball game? You know, 75 cents or 50, whatever it was, (laughs) they'd get their money. And, uh, you know, and Dave Edsel always tells me to this day, What he remembers most is piling into the station wagon and it was an old beat up piece of crap and he was in the back, you know, he's younger than us. You know how the pecking order is, the youngest kids, they're in the back, they're crammed in. And he just remembers looking down and seeing, it was so, so rusted out you could see the road. (laughs)
3: <laughs> was anyone wearing safety belts? Oh, they didn't have seat belts. <laughs> seat belts weren't
11: out until 60.
12: 60- that was the dates before uh, seat belts. And so he could just load our station wagon up with kids, the bath and the seats and everything. He'd take my cousins, Rita Etzel's boys, and all the boys in the neighborhood. And they would. And you, at that time, you could take your, uh, like a big jug of uh, lemonade, and everything you could take your picnic lunch in, you know. so they'd haul all of that along, and of course they went and sat on the bleachers or the, whatever you call that area back out there, out in the hot sun. And I think the tickets, kids' tickets, were something like two dollars, and his probably wasn't five. It was yeah. maybe five. And oh, they had the best time, and they had all their food with them. And of course now you can't take a bottle of water in or anything, Mm -hmm. go through your purse. But in that time, you you know they take all this stuff with.
3: The first games I can remember, when we went, was we would go to the left hand pavilion. But we weren't taking the whole neighborhood at that point. It was just us. We didn't go that often at that time, but but uh, we we uh, we did spend a lot of. A lot of summer going up there. and We were always in the left-hand pavilion. It was always the cheap seats. It was always hot. And my dad would always forget to bring a cap or something. And so he would get this old hot dog box where the hot dogs and the drinks came in. And he'd shove it over his head when it got too hot for him to stand it. That's his rally cap, man. <laughs> you just didn't understand when you were a kid. We would never leave the game early in those days. We'd stay to the end. Oh, Times man. changed. It doesn't matter how... Bad, we were doing or whatever. We were sitting in that seat, uh, sitting with our hot dog and our drinks. And
6: that's interesting because my memory of going with grandpa is we never
0: <laughs> stayed
3: to the night, anymore. yeah. Well, you would at least move up to the top, ready to leave yeah, the door, the end, so you'd, you'd move and up you'd sit to the and top, watch, and like, oh, that's in the, the game, then out the door. Yeah, we I figured, mean, I did that several times. In yeah.
6: fact, one time we left and we're on getting ready to go on the freeway, and he turns the game on the radio, and Dodgers come back. He turns around and we go back to the stadium. <laughs> Did you go inside again? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, a tough, it's a tough thing and I think that people don't realize it. they kind of make fun of it and whatever but it's not because, you know, people just don't like, you know, whatever get tired of the game or something. It's traffic is horrible. Oh people my can't gosh. understate, you can't overstate rather the the amount of traffic and and the like five entrances to Dodger getting Stadium in and and getting in and out and all this thing is like, I mean, you really got to like baseball. That's why I always used to say like to guys at work, uh, you know, uh, you know, anybody that, you know, you'd start saying, oh, people work so hard and everything. And then, you know, there's a lot of people that do. And I always thought, well, you know, even my dad's hobbies were like the hardest work. <laughs> you would be like driving, you know, an hour and a half to a game, going to the thing and, and and fighting traffic, do you know I mean like it's just like the least pleasurable thing to do to get to watch that stupid game, which is I don't I mean I mean that very lovingly. I love that game, but you getting know getting I mean? out like, of the stadium is like, no. It is a tough thing to do. No way to get. Uh, in. it seems like an urban legend. Like you almost have to think and say, did know, I really no see that? There's no way that was that possible, and 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 it and it was because we all saw it. My dad would nudge, or dad would nudge. Uh, people in front of him that were walking too slow with their with this car. Like, he, he started pushing him away. They would start yelling, going, I'm just
3: giving you a tap, a reminder. <laughs> and people would kind of move away. They would take I, and you would That think, was more than once. You would think that that would be so crazy. but It was? Like, I know, but yeah, like somebody would... People accepted it. One guy had happened to, and he just kept going. He didn't even think about it. It, it was crazy and like nobody ever gave him crap or and now getting into it was another story because he knew tricks we would we wouldn't yeah. go through the stadium way or any of that way we'd be going up through echo park and through all those uh houses that that used to be the um well they were the arts and crafts and everything but they were all crappy then and we'd sneak in that sideways thing and get in no so it, it spit
0: us out but it was only like two block, like a, a half a block away from stadium way and then we would cut on, up stadium way but oh. be, you pull off and you go through Echo Park and you go through all the...
6: Well, the cells. trick after the game, this was Grandpa's trick, was to leave before the game was over.
3: And then <laughs> that's why we always left. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody's. when they were choking, which was quite often, <laughs> that's when they would go. And any, any important game always we always
0: stayed Greg and I went to to uh, school with, with, uh, you know, my dad's buddies. We had basically our cousins, right? So the, our cousins would... Go to the game and and they had you know the tickets that dad would use and 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 go and and they would come back and sometimes they would they would
3: uh, oh the Etzels.
0: no 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 the no, no the Friedrichs oh. or, you know the Shucks really and and uh, they would uh, come back and 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 I wouldn't go to this game because they had oh, they had six tickets right so they would go sometimes mm-hmm. they would always come back and have some like crazy story about dad's driving and he said one time they like. Had this lot, you know how the vans brakes could lock up, man. They could lock up. Oh yeah, up. You know, that, that was those other that tan van. Yeah, yeah, the the, the, the uh, and you'd yeah, go squealing for about yeah, twenty feet. You could you would really lock up, and uh and they said he locked up and almost went like perpendicular to the road, <laughs> like <laughs> almost like whatever. Like everybody had to dodge, nobody crashed, and, just and they, like going. nothing like kept going. Here we go. uh,
3: well, but when it was an earlier game and we were out, we would always stop someplace on the way home though. We would go. His favorite places, of course, were the free places. So we would go to the Griffith uh, Observatory because you saw the view and they let you in for free. And it was open till ten. Yeah. Or we go down to Chinatown because it's right there and because it's free too. Yeah. And we would throw <laughs> some money in the uh, in the pond the or pond and that, and buy absolutely nothing there. <laughs> but it was great. It was exotic and beautiful at night with all the lights and the and the paper lanterns and stuff. And uh, like I said, you know, I I grew to love the game, but at first I'm just waiting. Okay, when are we going to the Griffith Observatory?
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: My hot dog is done. Can we leave?
0: Frank, only, was, Frank have, was dreaming of leaving at the seventh inning. I only have
6: memories of stopping at McDonald's. Never. Griffith oh, Frank. never of those? <laughs> no, I don't. I have well, memories I of work.
0: Stopping at the Vermonta uh, gas station every time. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> it's the cheapest gas in Los Angeles or yeah. something. Like you claim. <laughs> we gotta get. Uh, we gotta get that that gas get off at the same place it's like super sketchy seems super sketchy to me he'd always start up a conversation with somebody that looked like a drunk or high or <laughs> <laughs> how's it going <laughs> they would be like tripping not know how to deal with it and by the end
3: it would be like hey see you later mr ryber <laughs> like, have a good night even when he started with an argument like where's the manager it would always end up like well see you later mr Ryberg. <laughs>
4: but bubble
10: I remember when I was uh, seven years old and I went down to the school and these guys were playing baseball and I had never experienced it but they said hey you want to play I go yeah and I, we were playing and I did pretty good and I remember going home telling grandma Rydberg, oh man I found this new game it's great it's called baseball and she started laughing and I said I love it it's so great and so then I you know got involved playing every day down there with the guys and Little League. but um,
3: Was that just in Harrington? I mean in Harrington School yeah, or where were you we playing? at Harrington.
10: Right. And then I joined Little League which was at Harrington at that time. Oh that's before they Yeah, built. before they had Statham. Exactly.
3: They just had it at the school.
10: Right. Right. Yeah. So, because there was no Statham. What year did they build Statham? I was in, this, in the early 60s. I don't know exactly what year. And how I mean, did
3: Dad get involved? because we were involved he was part of Little League yeah Yeah. well my
11: earliest memories of you know dad and um just playing baseball with Pete down in Harrington and um you know then just getting addicted to going down to Harrington every every day in the summer and every day after school if it wasn't
3: that is so great. It was open. It was Rain. just like a public park. And now and it's like a Everybody
11: showed, you know, people showed up. In the summertime, we would have, you know, sometimes, you know, 20 kids playing baseball or whatever. Sometimes we'd play like only four on a side or five on a side. And you just make the bases longer to make it, you know. hard enough to uh, keep the game interesting, you know? And sometimes you just have um, two bases instead of three, you know? And, you know, scoring was just really tough because the bases were so far away, but you know, some of the guys could hit the crap out of the ball and, you know, you can only position so many players and then if we only had two people on a side we'd play over the line which
3: yeah that's all you could do at that point yeah
11: and I mean but holy crap we must have played you know we probably played baseball in the summer 40 hours a week (laughs) you know it was a full time (laughs) job
2: now when we were in uh Cheboygan Falls, you know, the Braves were there in Milwaukee. And so we played basically Sandlot baseball, you know, in that. And it was always, we always, you know, you always choose to play. I want to be Hank Aaron. I want to be Warren Spahn. (laughs) uh, My first
10: professional game was the 1959 World Series, the Dodgers against the White Sox at uh, the Coliseum. And dad got us out of school and um, the Dodgers won because uh, Gil Hodges hit a, a home run to, to win it. So, but the first game they lost big time. And my dad said, they could have had their wives go out and play and played better. And for some reason I thought, my dad said their wives were playing. So why would they have their wives play? Why wouldn't they play themselves? So I, I, that just hit me like, I imagined women were out there playing baseball.
11: One game I remember, going to specifically was with Pete and dad and it was sold out it was in a little baseball field the Angels started playing in, was it was a minor league ball field called Wrigley Field uh, obviously not the one in Chicago the one in LA and um, it was sold out and I just remember dad paying a lot of money for tickets. I just remember and, and Pete uh, it was impressed Pete too because to this day Pete and I will not sell a ticket for more than, than, what,
3: it cost. than what it costs. And that dad never did either. You know, the police just, came yeah. up and almost and busted us but the guy next to us was selling it higher and he took him in and just told us to go
11: away. <laughs> yeah, because it's not illegal to resell tickets if
3: you're if not. it's at cost.
11: it's at, at cost. But I just remember, you know, it was the Yankee game, and, you know, we drove all the way down there. And I don't think this... I think the capacity was like ten or 12,000 people. Oh, so yeah. it was sold out almost every um, night. But especially for the Yankees. And we were there early. And I don't know what they paid what Dad paid. But I just uh, remember... And I didn't know what was going on, but Pete, you know, it was a lasting impression not to, you know, screw your neighbor.
10: I remember one time, I know Jeff talked about this. We went to see the Yankees play at, when the Angels first came, they played at this little stadium called Wrigley Field in LA, not Chicago. And it was the minor league field. And, um, but it was a cute little stadium. And Dad had tickets to go see Harry Belafonte. So before we could go there, we went to the Greek theater to sell those tickets. And then we went to that little ballpark and um, uh, Dad bought some tickets from the scalpers. Because it was a time, it was was 61, and Roger Maris was in the midst of uh, his record-breaking home run streak. And so, yeah that was that was kind of fun how
3: I mean, did he have Harry Belafonte tickets that's what I want to know
10: because you know dad loved music and he had bought those tickets oh so he had bought he was going to take probably mom or something and then mom couldn't go I don't I don't remember exactly what or happened or he just found
3: out the Yankees were <laughs> no it
10: was it was probably before they were married so it was maybe a date still like <laughs> yeah who knows what happened but it was just funny because that's my my first recollection of Harry Belafonte. yeah Yeah.
11: so yeah exactly we went to County Stadium on that tour in Milwaukee and Pete I forget whose home run he caught but we went to the we walked to the game because one of our cousins lived you know a mile or so from the game where is that is that In, in Milwaukee in Milwaukee And so, Pete caught a home run ball. God, he he would know that. Even there. He caught one there. (laughs) Even on vacation. (laughs) Even on vacation, he got a ball. And, you know, when we were kids, um, we'd always, dad would uh, get there early for batting practice, most of the time. And on Sundays, he would stay until they showered and came out and signed autographs. So, you know, we had all the Dodgers autographs. Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale. We had, you know, we had balls and we had autograph balls. But we were pretty broke. So, when we ran out of baseballs, we just used those. So, there's nothing out of the, you know, 20, 30, 40 balls we had signed, I don't think. <laughs> Nothing will I think Pete has one or two that oh, survived. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we were broke. We couldn't afford a baseball. Baseball was three or four dollars, and we wore those suckers out. And
12: Pete came back so many times with a ball because <gasps> they would set by the, a dugout or something, and if the the home runs would come out there uh, and they would go wherever and they would jump the fence and run out and get the ball. And then he was by the dugout and sometimes he'd get them signed. And I don't know if he has one of them left because they'd come home and they played ball with them. They didn't save them. They took them out, went down to the little league field, played ball with the ones that they got signed. I don't have to ask him if he even kept any that had signatures on it. I got
10: a lot of balls from Dodger games and stuff like that. Uh, I remember one time we went to uh Dodger Pirate game and Frank Howard hit a home run to center field. And they have that, that opening in center field. And so I hung from the stands and dropped down and ran and got the ball and I got the ball. And then Sandy Koufax was having uh, some problems with his fingers. This was 1964, I think it was. And um, long story short, Dad and I walked over to the bullpen because he was Throwing and he came out and we started talking to him and got his autograph on that baseball that I Oh, it. nice! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I sold that ball with my baseball cards to buy our first house.
3: <laughs> How much did you get for? All well, no, it was. I, I mean, know it wasn't even down payment, payment but yeah, it
10: was, it was like thousand dollars or something like that. That's still really good. Yeah. Not nice. just for the ball, but for cards and stuff like that. But. Uh, I was in Milwaukee one time and uh, I caught a ball, a home run ball out there. It was crazy because there's like 20 guys surrounding me trying to get the ball from me. And I was like 11 or 12. But uh, one time Tim and Dan, my sons, and and I, and somebody else, I don't think Greg was there, went to see the Angels play. We got four balls that day. We had so many balls at the end of the game, this guy from Japan was looking at their balls. He said, yeah, just go ahead. You can have it. We don't need it. You know?
3: <laughs> where did so. where, where, you catch it? Was all on the foul line, or where did you catch it?
10: Um, three were in batting practice, and one, uh, I told Tim, hey, Tim, uh, tell, tell uh, uh, what was his name? Oh, Prince Fielder's dad, uh, um, anyway, somebody... Cecil, Cecil Fielder, I think it was, threw him a ball. Oh. Yeah, as he was warming up or something. Or, you know, like they have infield practice before each inning and he threw him the ball.
3: Uh, the Yankees, even though it wasn't the best. But he oh, thought he,
12: they thought that was the best. It was raining and everything else. And there was two, what, there's two in New York. Which ones are yes. these? We went to both of them. And we ha- we took, we didn't drive out there, of course. You took the subway or whatever you call it. And that was kind of scary, right? It was like out in an area. They have a new pole park now, but this was the old one. And uh, we got out there, and, if, and of course... We c- they wouldn't let me take a camera in. So then, what was I going to do with my camera? We weren't at a hotel, we weren't in a car, we didn't have any place. Well, they said, You can take it across the street and leave it at this bowling alley. Oh, God! And I said, Well, goodbye, camera. Yeah. I? They wouldn't let me in. What was I going to do? So I checked it in the coat. Yeah. Checked out at, at this bowling alley. But when I came back, my camera was there and I got it. But I thought, yeah. Good luck! I yeah, never we'll thought see I'd this see my kid there yeah, again. Yeah. would? I mean, like it was just set out there in a bowling alley. You
3: know? <laughs> Only <laughs> in <Like> New York. <laughs> yeah. And that was at the old one before they built the new one.
12: The old thing.
3: I th- other than Dodger Stadium, my favorite was uh, Candlestick Park, though. It really wasn't, but it seemed like it was underneath the freeway, uh, but that's impossible. Yeah. But it was down there in this ghetto section, which was always taking your life your own hands. It was always freezing. Everybody would be bringing their blankets out and, uh, and bundling up. And then we got to be with Uncle Sal, and, and we were always the giants, and my dad would heckle. You know, a little bit. But that my dad was good that way. He was all serious about the game, and the minute it was over, it didn't even matter. It was a game. And he never got really angry, especially with Uncle Frank, who would sometimes root for the other team just to be spiteful. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Uncle Sal. but He, he was, was a, a Giants fan. He was a big real, Giants yeah, fan. Yeah. And yeah. my dad liked the Giants. He had a soft spot for them, too. So
0: He liked Willie Mays, and he liked yeah i mean they were always rivals so it was like a respect thing yeah well they're rivals back where they came yeah, from. yeah, yeah, they, yeah.
3: they were rivals in the east they came out here and were rivals but that place was a fun it was a weird stadium because they played football there too and that yeah. was the first time i'd ever seen something like that but uh oh my gosh always by the seventh thing you were freezing and <laughs> that's the only time i've gone there it was cold
6: Mark Twain said the coldest winter he ever spent was the summer in San Francisco.
3: <laughs> well, that's, well, that was the case then. Although now it's it's a lo- the weather's much better in San Francisco. It's only, they built a new park, so it's it's I think
11: it's the well. The thing I haven't been to whatever, that, but, but that's but, uh,
3: sad. I'm gonna miss that. I miss that old park. <laughs> <you> <laughs> yeah, it's the, gone. Now. I miss the misery and the almost it's death. It's funny because sure.
11: the Coliseum was, you know, built. Yeah. For the Olympics and and that kind of thing. For track and field and football. And it held like 90,000. In fact, at the World Series, I think it held 100,000. Oh my you You didn't have any. You couldn't see crap. Because right field was forever. And left field was only 250 feet away. I think. Anyways... They, it was so short, they had to put up a big screen to keep home runs from flying out of there. And um, there was a left-hander named Wally Moon, and he learned to just hit the ball, you know, to the opposite field and hit it into the fence. And, and I don't know if they called that the moon shot or if it was because he... Could play it off the screen so well. When other teams uh, hit it off the screen, he played it so well that he'd hold him to a single, you know, because he he just, you know, knew the screen was so irregular that sometimes it'd come off funny. But he knew that screen better than anybody else because he played left field there for, you know, every the three years the Dodgers played there. And uh, so that was just something that was not baseball-like. You know, have such a short... It was so, so strange. And why they let the Dodgers... They would never let a team... No, because how can you compete? Yeah, it's a strange thing. But the Dodgers didn't want to play at Wrigley Field, probably, because of the money. Because Wrigley Field only had 15,000 seats in the Coliseum. So it filled it on the World Series, but how many many people went there normal? No. Oh, it didn't fill it. I was going to say. So
3: was there even 50,000 there that day?
11: Oh, okay. I I doubt if most games, because most of the seats you couldn't see from. I mean, you know, it would be like a mile away. It's, you know, the Coliseum's elliptical, and you're playing in one, uh, in two-thirds of the stadium. The other third of the stadium, and you you, you don't have very good seats, and then the others, you might have a good view, but they're just far away. But I think one game they had over 100,000 people, and I think that was to honor Roy Campanello. Who was a baseball player? They got in an accident, yeah, and ended up in a wheelchair, and you know, in the prime of his career. So, I mean, but yeah, the Coliseum was just a very strange place to play baseball, you know. And they were there three years. Yeah, 58, 59, and 61, and. The Angels only played at Wrigley Field in 61, and then they played at Dodger Stadium till 65. So yeah, that's probably the strangest place ever for Major League Baseball.
3: Oh, it'd have to be.
10: I mean, nobody. My favorite experience was in Minnesota, August 26th. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> Frank Rydberg's birthday. (laughs) And uh, they had a bomb scare. And so they told everybody to leave the stadium. And me and my friend were just sitting there. We're not leaving. And then finally they said, okay, the rest of you guys go down on the field with all the players. So we went down on the field and it was against Boston. So like Carl Carl Skrimpski and um, Rod Carew and Harmon Killebrew, all those guys were down there. We were just, it was like a picnic with no food. <laughs> we were just, you know, talking to them like you would talk to anybody else cuz they were actually human beings, which I didn't even realize that. And anyways, um, and my friend played for the Twins, so we went into the locker room and uh, it was really weird cuz I saw all these guys that I knew naked, you know, these famous <laughs> guys. And it was like, okay, this is this is a little weird, but it was fun. It was fun.
3: Uh, I tell you one game I wish I would have been at I was at Uncle Max's house and Aunt Eva with Daniel and we're sitting there on a Sunday we, they were taking us around Let, they left us up there we're up by San Francisco and we're watching the game and some girl was, was flashing the crowd and they wouldn't show it but they just kept talking about it and the, the straw hat guy the guard comes up to her and she goes, yeah, and you got to stop that. And she goes, I have a perfect right. And he goes, You have a perfect left too, man, but you still can't do that. And they told that in the color commentary as we're watching the game.
10: But that's a game I missed. But in spirit, I was there. <laughs> that's good. I remember in 1969 going to Yankee Stadium with this guy I met and uh, seeing a game there. It was fun. It was always neat just to go to the ballpark. I went to St. Louis with Sharon and um, my two sisters, Sharon and Susie and Jill, and they didn't want to go to the game, so it was at uh, Bush Stadium. So I just bought a ticket, watched batting practice, and uh, went back and we met for dinner. But it was so fun. I just, I love seeing the ball fly, you know, just the, at, off a of bat. Just something magical about seeing a round thing go you know. We were in Minnesota and my, my friend's roommate was Bert Blylevin who later became uh, um, a Hall of Fame, was voted into the Hall of Fame and um, he, played, he was the youngest player for the Twins. He was like 19 I think, 18 or 19 and he was the youngest player in the, the majors back then and he was from Holland, he was a Dutch, they called him the Dutchman. Anyways, we were all going out, and we're out in the players' parking lot with the cars going in his car, and here comes Har- Harmon Killebrew, and Harmon Killebrew's looking at us like, he didn't see Bert there, and he's kind of like, hey guys, how you doing, you want to Oh, hey Bert, how you doing? He goes, you guys going out for a Coke? You <laughs> couldn't say beer because we were too young to drink, but uh, what a gentleman he was too. So anyways, yeah, it, it was weird because he was so young that everybody just thought he was a fan. And uh, I remember one time he was signing a bunch of autographs, and he said he had autographs signed, so he was just hand, handing them out to people. And he, he gave one to this kid, and uh, he looked. He said, "Hey, Bert," and he looked. At, it was his brother, that <laughs> was coming to visit him. So yeah, good times. A lot of good times.
12: Then one, one year, Sal and Linda uh, wanted to come to the, to the Dodgers game because it was the World Series and they lived, they lived up you know by San Francisco. So they got tickets and we went down and picked them up at Burbank just before the game. They had it all planned. They left a little bit early from work and got on the plane, come down, took them an hour. We picked them up and so then we got in a big traffic jam. We couldn't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, here comes this police on a motorcycle right by the, our window. And Earl rolled it down and he said, are you going to the ball game? And Earl said, yeah. And he said, well, fo- follow me. So we pulled out a line and went on the other side of the street and he took us directly to the ballpark. And then, oh, so long. And then after the ball game, we, went, the, we took Earl, Sal and Linda back to the airport and they flew home. Oh, they came from San Francisco just for the game. Wow. And that was... Aye, 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 yeah. I,
13: yeah, that
2: yeah was but fun. to see a World Series game. Yeah,
12: see a World Series game. And we had tickets and that was... Yeah,
2: now I remember going with you guys. Uh, it was probably when... What, it was when Uncle Frank died. Because we went and it was the Braves and the Dodgers. And it went on for like 10 innings and it was nothing. And finally, the Braves scored and won. And I just said, "That's Uncle Frank. He did it." <laughs> and yeah, I do. Yeah, you know, I do remember that.
0: We had Mom's old like Ford LTD, the the red one, you it's know, the her red car. No, yeah. no, it was in the station wagon. Oh. It was the um. Oh the, yeah. Okay. The, the red car, right? And uh, this is oh, yeah. sedan. Okay. Yeah, whatever. They, I, they and um and our cousins were going too, and it was me and the two cousins. And we only had four, and, and uh, it was pouring rain, and we're like, okay, well, we're, well, I guess we'll chance it. Dad wanted to go down and see the game, but I thought, well, there's no way they're going to have the game, but whatever. Yeah. We'll go down there. And uh, he had, you know, the, it had suicide windows? Yeah. You know, the little windows that are in the front passenger and, and, and driver side. Most some people don't know what those are, but they're little windows that crack open and you don't have to have your full window down. And the 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 uh the windshield wipers stop stop working for some reason. And <laughs> so dad tied builder's twine to the windshield wipers and me and him pulled the windshield wipers <laughs> like this. <laughs> the whole way like we were <laughs> manually pulling them. <laughs> No, seriously, all the way down. I believe you. And all the way back, because it rained out, sure enough, and then we had to do it all the way oh back. Oh, my
3: gosh. It's just on the chance that there was a baseball game? Oh, yeah,
0: oh, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, and it's it, it's like crazy, stupid L.A. traffic, and nobody drives well in the rain anyways, and we're like non-functioning windshield wipers.
13: <laughs> well, the best part, or the I guess the worst part, or the best fans or worst fans, depending, were the Mets, because they always whenever they sat behind you, they were always like the most ill-behaved fans. It was crazy. They would always be super profane and yell, and all, oh my gosh, it was just so crazy. Whenever they came to town, it was like Dad had to cover our ears because they were always yelling and whatever. And the best part, James will probably tell you this story, is that uh, the one time he and I sat up in the two upper seats and Dad and, I don't know, Mr. Friedrich or whoever sat in the lower seats, and these guys were super bad I mean like drunk and foul mouth and whatever blah, blah 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 and then you know we didn't think anything of it more than usual and James went to school the next day and he had a new teacher that year I think he was in third grade and come to find out it was her brother that was in the stand sitting next to us I forget how we found that out or how we found that out but anyways it was just hysterical because here it was these guys were that. The and worst one, Right. And it was his teacher's brother from out of town or whatever. I don't remember the whole thing, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, when Kathleen was at the hospital, that Make-A-Wish,
12: one of her wishes was to meet, was it Steve Garvey or what was the other, yeah. And so um, we were to go down, and so we got to go down in the dugout and out on the field. And uh, when he came to talk to her, because he was supposed to be introduced to her and everything, he looked at her and he didn't absolutely know what to say. So, finally, he said, Do you have, and of course, she's a little kid, she yeah. didn't know what to say to him. Yeah. So, finally, he said, Do you have any brothers and sisters? Well, that broke the thing when he found it. Yeah, she had nine brothers and <laughs> sisters. That's all it took. Then he knew how to go from yeah, there, you right. know. He talked to her a few minutes and had pictures taken with her and everything. But that was interesting because we went right into, in the dugout where all the players were sitting, and back in in uh, the inside. A
10: couple times we met Vin Scully walking around the stadium before before a game or after a game. Always polite. Always would talk to you. Uh, we didn't have any brilliant questions to ask him, but he listened to whatever we were saying. We never asked for his autograph because it was, you know, he wasn't a player. I never even thought, oh yeah, get Vin Scully's autograph. But um, actually, he he's a Big part of the Dodgers, so much so that, you you know, like I said, you didn't even consider him a celebrity; you just considered him one of the fans, you know. So, but yeah, Vince Scully, God bless him.
0: And the other thing, we went uh, we went to the the um, the '88 World Series where Gibson hit the home run. It's a huge game; everybody knows that. I was I was there with you were Dad, out in the
6: pavilion. Right? And
0: no, 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 they got tickets. So they, since they had every other game. They got the, they got those and then they bought the they bought extra. they could buy extra tickets so right. they bought tickets for every game but they so they traded off but we were we were in the, were in, the in the regular seats. seats oh. And um but we went up for ice cream in like the third inning or something on the club level and uh all of a sudden all these like uh guys in suits come through and they're like, Everybody's gotta get back. Everybody's gotta get back. And then They like explain, all right, the first lady's gonna walk through here right now. And the guy turns to me and he goes, now jump, jump out and try to, <laughs> try to uh, you know, grab her hand or something. <laughs> I look shifty. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> Why
6: would you? You were a big Nancy. Right? No, I was
0: just young because I was, like, young, and he thought. It... Was it Nancy? or No, was it was Nancy. Yeah. She, she threw out. She was a just say no thing, and she threw out the first pitch. <laughs> did you see her
3: walk by or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, she, she walked
0: right by, and I was like. From here to... I was closer than the repository building, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I was a kid. So I was like the only kid boys. So That's hilarious. Like, the Secret Service. So the Secret
3: Service thought I was, I was
0: going to get taken out.
3: And then my favorite thing, actually, because my dirty little secret is... I never liked baseball. <laughs> <when I was laughs> the game? I loved going to the game. It was really fun to go with my dad cuz he was the biggest fan. He'd have his scorecard out and he had the radio playing so we hear Vince Scully. Yeah. <laughs> Get the best of both worlds. But I was just waiting for Roger the Peanut Man to come by. Oh yeah. <laughs> that guy, I mean, he would throw it I mean, up to 30 feet, I think. And he under his leg, around his back. Two at a time, for dude to all kinds of stuff. And, uh, oh, the saddest day is when they stopped him for a little while. They said he couldn't do it anymore. And I, I remember going up to the stand, I can't throw it anymore. I can't. And then psh, everyone complained, so they brought him back. Uh, his name was Roger Owens. And he started when he was 16, and he was selling soda at the Coliseum. And then in 15, throwing the
6: soda wasn't as <laughs> didn't
3: work out That's as popular, well. So he no. moved to peanuts. He moved to peanuts in '59, and he was doing trick. He didn't do the trick throwing until '62 when, when he came to Dodger Stadium. So and he he got so popular they would bring him to other games other sports he'd be at ucla and usc doing that stuff too well
6: he's even kind of caricatured on the simpsons that they're in a baseball game and this guy's throwing peanuts and he's hitting everybody's in the head (laughs)
3: that's clearly i I saw him hit just very few people one or two people
6: he was on the money he was
3: always paranoid and when at his top when he was his most famous because he went on the tonight show and then i think in 76 and then everybody you know kind of knew him all over and they went, Roger, Roger. And he, there was this, like, fear in his eye, because he's like, okay, now, no, no, get closer. Get closer, because they wanted throw six peanut things at once, and they would scatter like a shotgun. <laughs> and they uh, were the old,
0: like, they, they're, those peanuts were the best. They were the ones that had, the, they were two packs. Double bag, the yeah. Double yeah. bag, and they
3: like, well, that's the best for me because you got two bags of peanuts. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Just... I know, and there wasn't that there there wasn't that many peanuts in it, but it was like two bags, and he They were this, good. I feel like they, they were taste better. Delicious, than... and, and the other <laughs> one get a lot of don't... air in
6: the other bags. Those bags were real. Yeah, they were. They, they were out.
0: Yeah. We used to get peanuts. Dad would bring us pe- those peanuts home, like as oh a, yeah, as you. a thing, right? He's like, yeah, hey, I got you. I brought you some peanuts home, or whatever. I was at at uh, the same seats, right, at Dodger Stadium one time, and. Uh, and there was nobody sitting in the middle section. You know, we, sh- we usually sat. What? Yeah, so we usually set in you uh, and P. What, what do we have? What, what it was? Like. What do you have?
6: Four and two is what. Yeah, was yeah, we had four and, and two, and yeah. it was you and P or something. I felt like they weren't in the same row. No, 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 no like the they were the same. There. Yeah. there was
0: four in the front and two in the in behind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, so there was a bunch of seats empty. It was kind of abnormal because usually you got some spattering, but there was like a bunch of seats empty. People show up and they pay the money. Yeah, 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 right. And so, uh, but then pretty soon, like third inning, uh, Billy Crystal came down and sat right in the center by himself, and he was just sitting there. And uh, Sir Kathleen, I think, was with me, and she's like, "Let's go down and get his autograph." And I'm like, "Dude, that guy's watching baseball. We are not doing that." (laughs) (laughs) I was very serious as a kid. I'm like, I was like, "We are not. We are not." We are not doing that. No way. And so, uh, but it was pretty cool. That's kind of made it. Do you think he bought all those seats for the day? I don't know, but it was, it it was in normal. it was like weird because I noticed that they weren't there and then he was sitting like right in the center. So I would assume. Ladies and gentlemen,
9: it's time for the seventh inning stretch. Accompanied by Nancy B. at the Dodger Stadium, Roland, Oregon. Let's all sing, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Um.
13: series were the best because everybody was like electric how they say electric i can remember when we were there for the world series and kurt gibson hit that home run and he was limping around the field and i remember just really being like scared to the core because i thought that it was going to collapse it was so thunderous and so loud in there but it was so cool at the same time because everyone was like screaming and cheering and whatever and all you could hear was just the rumbling it was so insane i'd never been it was like being in like a 5.0 earthquake just the the rumbling in that stadium but it was so cool and then as you left everybody was outside and they were cheering and yelling and happy and whatever it was just super cool being part of something that was so collectively so much bigger than you were everyone was sharing the same moment it was just super cool that was a fun one too that was a good time
3: i used to love uh the announcer that guy was there forever, that John Ramsey. Oh, well, the character. PA announcer? Yes, you know. <laughs> first base. <laughs>
0: it's almost like a little disinterested but like still <laughs> interested. Yeah.
3: Well, he was there since 1958. So that means he was doing it before Dodger Stadium. He was doing it in the Coliseum. Yeah. And actually no, that must have been before they left, wasn't it? When they leave 59 to come here? No, 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 no 55. Oh, okay. I, I think so. That was the Coliseum, and he did it till he died. I think in 1990, he was 62. Oh man, that's young. So they yeah, kept, they told- he kept. He did it also for the Rams. He did for the Angels. Uh, he was in, I think, five Super Bowls that he did the announcing for, uh-huh. and uh, he did it for basketball, uh, all kinds of stuff. But he was perfect. I loved him on. Uh, for all the announcing of who was coming in or for anything. Or a now let's stand for our national anthem. It just
6: uh-huh. felt you just felt you gotta chill when you're at the park, I think. It was
13: And the best part, of course, was the lady on her pipe organ, which I don't know that they do that anymore, but that was that was always cool. All the little musical uh, musical things that they did during the game and the clapping and that. It's always fun.
3: I like the fan appreciation day.
13: Oh yeah. That, uh, man, in all the years we went, I don't think, in all the years we had the tickets, I don't think any anybody won anything, right? It just seems so weird. Like, we went for, they had tickets for a really long time and no one ever won, not even a hat or, like, something junky, just, like, nothing. Yeah, every year you, used to like, sat there and you're like, okay, come on. I don't I can't even remember anybody in, like, our section winning or anything. Like, anyone even around us, remotely around us winning anything, yeah, every year I thought it was a year we would win something. I was sure that it was going to be something, anything. <laughs> Nothing every year. Right.
3: Uh, the thing that I love the most, we used to get all the giveaway th- tickets when we had the season tickets because Mr. Friedrich and the different lawyers could care less. <laughs> so we always got the giveaway stuff. But we also got the Fan Appreciation Day. Oh, yeah. Which was the funnest thing which we never won anything. I don't mean a scrapbook, I don't mean a cap, nothing. But we always hoped it was like the lottery. And I, and We're gonna
6: win that boat or that.
3: that yeah, other. there was like and a big always, boat. They rolled up to the thing. They would always take that boat around
0: the uh, one
3: lap around. It's like a big
0: and catamaran. You'd never be able to do it. Dad would be like, "What the hell are we
3: doing with this?" And they're right. always and they also <laughs> at the same time they talk about a free trip to Copenhagen, which I don't know why, but it was always. And they would play "Wonderful, Wonderful Copenhagen, Beautiful Gem in the Sea" from from. Um, uh, Danny Kay and yeah. and Hans uh, Christian Hans Christian Anderson. Hans Christian Anderson. Yeah. Every time they were giving away a boat and a trip to Copenhagen, mm-hmm. and I forget all the prizes. They had TVs and they had a car and like some other yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then there was, it was like nice stuff.
0: I don't know if there was a season ticket one. And I then think some so, other probably. And then you know some other stuff. I
3: would have taken anything. We got. Nothing. I know if we would have just we we're won not appreciated. One... <laughs> one... <laughs> we got the excitement, and that was it. Oh man, I was. I miss whenever they also, when they had to replace a pitcher. Maybe they didn't even have this when you went. They had a giant ballmobile. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, they, and it would drive the pitcher out to the mound.
0: They like don't it, even do that anymore. Like a, a giant baseball. guy ball. just runs out or whatever. But, yeah, I
3: remember they had a ballmobile. A golf cart. He was a golf cart. I think sometimes that guy was a liquored up because it was like a mighty twisty <laughs> route he took. <laughs> he was dodging sprinklers, Frank. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: I, I got the question. What was your guys' favorite thing you got from Dodger Stadium free on the <laughs> nights? We got a bunch of helmets. We got baseballs. We I got love baseball those little bats.
6: bats. Like that was the coolest thing.
0: A little bat is is pretty good. I. What's the the most? Uh, they now they have bobbleheads and stuff. They didn't really have those when we were.
3: I didn't have any kids it. I wouldn't they me. had
0: like the plastic baseball batting helmet that was not to
4: be I used think it was the, real <laughs> yes they always had a sticker do not
3: use this in a real game because it will shatter and your head will break but <laughs> i I I think that was my favorite but you know what I think I'm I'm um really not seeing that I'm seeing the little helmets that they, we used to get ice cream and yeah, dairy I mean, yeah right yeah. and that was my favorite giveaway it wasn't a Dodger Stadium though
6: well, they had those at Dodgers team. You could get the... You, now the they little helmets
0: them. Now they have them. I got the girls, like, pink ones. No, but, but you could get little helmets? You get, yeah. But you I, didn't
6: serve ice cream in them, did they? Yeah, in the 90, I know for sure in the 90s you could get... You know, How do you like that? And you didn't really get to pick the team like that. Okay, we have the... I guess... Like, you what? Made it big it should all snake. be Dodgers. Come on. No, every, <laughs> now they have it all, Dodgers. Every team.
11: They
0: had... Uh, um, they had this one... They had the blue... They, batting helmet came in like a blue dodger blue and a white logo oh yeah every year every year every year every year and one year or two years they came out and they had it was white with a blue label oh and i got that man i wore it out man i had that oh, thing no. was, so that like literally is my favorite thing i still have it i think in a bag up here it's all jacked up or whatever but that was my favorite one because it was like every other year was that and it was like it was like getting a you know, a secret Pokemon card or something like. <laughs> it like I got the white helmet man. Uh, yeah.
6: <laughs> nice. James used to entertain us in the stands. Doing what? We'd, fake commentary. Well, we we kind of had our routine. We'd eat. Uh, you know, we get our Dodger dogs and we have our drinks and everything. And then James would take all the trash left over from the food, and he'd manipulate and make. Uh, he called them Star Wars glasses. So they <laughs> go get your Star Wars glasses. He would take the cardboard box and the He'd make eyes out of the slurpee, you know, the, the, <laughs> the drink coke, cups. The drink cups. And he'd get real straws would be coming out, you know. He'd and a straw mouth. So yeah. it's an yeah. art project. I, I, I could yeah. move the straw
0: to make it mouth. And then yeah. you could turn it around and use the cups as megaphones. Man, it was. That's
3: right. <laughs> and James, See what happens when you have passes. all this time in between any See, action. It's a pastime. And then grab super fun. Grandpa man would he come up from the... his closest
6: seat would say, You knock that off right
3: <laughs> <laughs> We're in the good seat. <laughs> come you. on now, hey. You do that up in <laughs> you gotta go the pavilion. I pavilion uh, not here, didn't care. On <laughs> really hot days in that pavilion. They would just be all these guys having squirt gun fights, <laughs> just all over the place, and then throwing cups of water. <laughs> and Dad would be all pissed off, but he—that's like it was almost like, well, that's their right. They bought a ticket, and it's always <laughs> just watching. The I game. gotta see the game.
0: <laughs> uh, the, the craziest thing I ever, I ever like saw, and you're gonna think it's like some fight or something, but this is the craziest thing I can remember. And I was young, and I could just remember thinking what the hell just happened here? Sacrilege. We were yelling, and yeah, I was like never like crazy, but we were in the, the load section, and I, I was with Dad or, you know, whatever, so I was never cussing or doing anything crazy because I would have got in trouble. So we were just like, yeah, Dodgers, whatever. I was yelling, and, uh, uh, Somebody literally came up and goes, could you quiet down? Because my baby's trying to sleep." <laughs> <laughs> That's how was in that the seating. <laughs> and I was so shocked, and like I quieted down because I'm Freaking everybody. Lieutenant Pavilion, they throw the beers on the baby. <laughs> oh my god! I was about to. I was too young. <laughs> I, I couldn't even believe I was so I just remember being so shocked and I was probably below before way before high school and I was like what the hell but nobody came down and the straw hat people didn't come where were you no and I don't think I literally thought if they would have come down would they be like uh, I'm cheering what do you want me to do you know they, they didn't
3: care they knew they, those guys I, wouldn't I, I only got there. in trouble with those guys because I would be leaving I'd stop and, and look. And you could not stop behind those last seats. It was like a fire hazard. Yeah. So we, uh, as we were leaving, like Greg talks about, we'd be stopping. Oh, wait a minute. There's a. That's. Let's watch. There's something happening. Ah, uh, they're not winning. Okay, let's keep going, and then we'd stop three or four times because I think would we exit from the top, or we actually we
0: right go up to the club level, and then and exit, then exit that way. out of that,
3: that. Yeah, that way. Boy, one time it snowed at Dodger Stadium.
6: You remember that, James? It was snowing. <laughs> yeah,
0: snowing, but not real snow. <laughs> James and I went to the last.
6: I feel like that was the last time I sat in those seats too. Because I, think, you
0: know what? It probably was close. I I probably did it a couple more times or something. What year I went was With that, Bednar that. one time, and what
6: what what? Year no, we were in you? high school
0: for sure. So the so 90s.
6: 94,
1: 95 maybe. I think probably 92 or 93. So my dad decided to take us all to a Dodger game one afternoon. And he took me, Timmy, Andy, Greg, and I believe Greg and Andy had a friend that he took with us.
6: It was, you know, that they get have the giveaways. We always oh, love yeah. those. We we got so many bats and helmets and things but this particular one was a a baseball everyone in tents got a baseball
1: every time we go it's you know hat day or glove day or bat day but today this day it happened to be um... autographed ball day and we all got these balls these baseballs and they were you know uh... fake signatures on the balls and they were like plastic balls (laughs) and they were really
6: hard and the fans, there was a bad call about the third or fourth inning. The fans didn't really like it. So some of these knuckleheads start throwing their baseballs on the field. And the PA announcer gets on and says, Hey, you better knock that crap off or this game's going to be called and, you know, like going to call their bluff. So,
1: And at the, I want to say, the fifth inning, um, the umps made a call. And all of a sudden you started seeing a couple balls being tossed onto the field. You know, nothing big, kind of microscopic. And, you know, they announced over the um, intercom, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, please stop throwing your baseballs onto the field. If anybody is caught throwing a baseball, they will be escorted out.
6: It wasn't even really like a...
1: Like, I've it seen much like worse
6: And it was
0: only a few balls, right? Yeah. And then... Right, the seventh inning or something—I forget exactly.
6: Yeah, a couple what it was. innings later, it, it, it happened a few times where there'd be you know a handful of balls, but I guess once one a couple people start doing it, and then in the seventh inning something happened.
1: So that kind of stopped, and it, there was only a couple of balls, but in the sixth or seventh inning, it might have even been the sixth inning before. But uh, it, I remember it was the very next inning where something happened, and the. Fans just lost it. And it looked like it was snowing. The players <laughs> the
6: players run to the dugouts. It was it was a dangerous situation. The PA announcer tries to calm down. I
1: was seeing everybody from the top row. It looked like snowballs coming down onto the field, and these are hard plastic balls hitting the players. And the players I just remember seeing the players run. For their lives to the dugouts and just covering themselves and then I started looking to my left and my right and I started seeing uh, men take their sons and kids balls and just chucking them on the field like trying to hit people.
0: I just remember there was a there was a kid. He looked like a tiny kid, and, he, and he, it so looked so monstrous. But remember, he threw that ball, and you could see it clears day, and it almost made it to the pitcher's mound or whatever. Wow, yeah, oh it was crazy. rear. Like, holy crap! It was this
1: the, was the best play of that game. At this point in time, all of us boys thought, "Holy crap! A riot is breaking out right now," and we could see the fear on the not only the security guard but the ushers faces and it was pretty intense and so they had to forfeit the game uh but they called the game and the dodgers
6: dodgers lost Uh, the game that was the last time they did that (laughs) (laughs) well
1: yeah and and uh and they had to kick everybody out of the stadium and they couldn't finish the game and uh i feel very honored to be not only involved in a forfeit game where they had to call the game and cancel it because of the fans doing something, but I also feel honored because now, whenever you want a ball at Dodger Stadium and it's free Dodger ball day, they give you a certificate and you have to go pick it up at Target.
12: Well, the first time, I think it was uh, our first date, Earl and mine, really a real date. And it was, going, of course, where did we go to the Dodger game? Yeah, right. And it was the days when I dressed in the high heels and had a hat and a real fluffy fifties dress, yeah. you know, with all the petticoats. And I went to the ball game and I, oh, I could knew what the ball game was all about, yeah. of course. But I was sitting there and this, an older lady was sitting by me, and she. Later on, I found out she had season tickets, and she was sitting there, and she looked at me for about half of the game, and finally she she leaned over to me and said, "Honey, if you can't beat him, you got to join him." <laughs> and he, she knew that you yeah. know, like, why did I come dressed right. on like I was going to the fashion show yeah, or something? That and was- here I was going to the ball game.
3: Comebacker, a bad throw. Here comes the winning run and the magic is here even at home. Rolling
4: down the Highway, Highway. Big Nas made it to my side. Saturday the wind's blowing hot from the north let right. roll down the window, put down the top Crank up the beat for it, baby, don't let the music stop
3: That was some of our baseball stories. Not all of them by any means. Certainly none of the ones that are going to get us in trouble. And I'm sure you guys have a lot of baseball stories out there of your own. So if you'd like to, put some of them on Facebook. We'd like to read them. Or
0: email us SISG 6000 the number 6000 at uh, gmail.com
6: Or Frank's pager is 555 (laughs) 555
8: C-O-L-G-A-T-E Colgate presents Bill Stern With a Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man is on the air Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, restore his ram Take his advice and you look keen. you get a shave that's smooth and clean. You'll be a Colgate brushless fan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bill Stern bringing you the 309th edition of the Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. We're broadcasting tonight from the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Our guest tonight is the famous movie star, Mr. Pat O'Brien. But let's begin the show right here in Atlanta, Georgia with Real One, profile of the World Series. This weekend, the World Series is being played between Chicago and Detroit. Today, Chicago defeated Detroit 3 to nothing. This is not the first time that Chicago and Detroit have met in a World Series. No. No, exactly 10 years ago, Chicago played Detroit in another World Series. And a strange sports story was born. A story of death. For in that 1935 World Series, as the Chicago Cubs faced the Detroit Tigers, one of the star pitchers that year for Detroit was a young pitcher named Alvin Crowder. And on the very day, Alvin Crowder was to pitch in that World Series. Suddenly... Death struck. And without warning, Alvin Crowder was notified that his mother had dropped dead. Alvin Crowder was immediately told that because of his mother's death, he'd be excused from pitching that day in the World Series. But he decided to go ahead and pitch anyway, knowing that his mother would have preferred it that way. Well, record books tell the rest. Alvin Crowder that afternoon pitched the greatest World Series game of his career. He pitched his Detroit Tigers to a 2-1 win over Chicago. And he did it on the very day that his mother died, knowing she was dead. The story of death in the World Series had begun for the Detroit Tigers. The next time Detroit got into the World Series was in 1940. This time, they were playing the Cincinnati Reds. That year, the star pitcher for Detroit was Bucky Newsom. On the very day that Bucky Newsom was to pitch in the 1940 World Series, once again, death struck the Detroit Tigers. For suddenly, without warning, Bucky Newsom was notified that his father had dropped dead. Bucky Newsom was immediately told that because of his father's death, he'd be excused from pitching that day. But he also decided to go ahead and pitch. Record books tell the rest of that story. Bucky Newsom that afternoon pitched the greatest World Series game of his career. He pitched his Detroit Tigers to an 8-0 win over Cincinnati. And he did it on the very day that his father died knowing he was dead. But the jinx of death in the World Series was to strike again. Let's move up to the year 1943. This time it was not the Detroit Tigers, but the New York Yankees who were playing the St. Louis Cardinals. In 1943, the star pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals was Morton Cooper. On the very day Morton Cooper was to pitch in that World Series, once again death struck. For suddenly, without warning, Morton Cooper was notified that his father had dropped dead. Morton Cooper was immediately told that because of his father's death, he'd be excused from pitching that day. But he also decided to go ahead and pitch. Record books tell the rest. Morton Cooper, that afternoon, pitched the greatest World Series game of his whole career. He pitched the St. Louis Cardinals to a 4-3 win over the New York Yankees. And he did it on the very day his father died, knowing that his father was dead. And so death has played a strange role in the World Series. Three different pitchers have been notified of a death in their immediate families during a World Series. Each has then chosen to go on and pitch. And each has won his greatest victory on that day of death. But I could go much further, back and show you that death is nothing new in a World Series, not nothing new to these same teams. For instance, back in 1882, Cincinnati won the American Association pennant, and like this year, the Chicago Cubs were the National League winners. Hence, back in 1882, these two teams were matched together in a World Series. The star pitcher that year for Cincinnati was Carl Johnson. On the very day that Carl Johnson was to pitch in that World Series, death struck. For suddenly, without warning, Carl Johnson was notified that his father dropped dead. Carl Johnson was immediately told that because of his father's death, he'd be excused from pitching that day. And Carl Johnson decided not to pitch. He didn't pitch, no. Instead, he left immediately for his father's funeral. In his place, Cincinnati used a new pitcher, who pitched so badly that he was knocked out of the box. Cincinnati lost that game. And that's one World Series game that death did not win. And yet, even in this case, death brought good luck, too. For so bad was that Cincinnati pitcher's defeat, That he decided never to try big league baseball again. And so he quit baseball and he turned to another field and he became successful. In fact, this former Cincinnati baseball player was so successful that he finally became the president of the United States. You see, his name was William Howard Taft. Profile of fate.
9: This is Van Patrick. I'll be seeing you at the Detroit Dragway this weekend for the American Hot Rod Association Grand Nationals on Friday and Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. Organized sanctioned drag racing has become one of the nation's fastest-growing spectator sports, and a crowd of over 20,000 people is expected at the Detroit Dragway this weekend for the AHRA Grand Nationals. A $30,000 cash purse has been posted by the sponsoring American Hot Rod Association and top late model stock cars and 200 mile an hour dragsters are entered from 28 states the automotive factory drag racing teams will be in attendance ford and mercury divisions and the chrysler corporation cars along with many Chevrolet and other independent General Motors entries. This is Van Patrick, and I'll be seeing you on Friday and Saturday night at 8, and Sunday afternoon at 2 at the Detroit Dragway, Sibley at Dick's, for the American Hot Rod Association Grand National Drag Racing Championship.
6: Well, unfortunately our time has come to an end. But Frank, you've got to leave us with one last tidbit.
3: Yes, we do. We have a tribute to Muhammad Ali, the great athlete and showman, and one of my heroes when I was growing up and, and through adulthood. And so we're going to go out with a little song he sang back in the 70s. So this is Uncle Frank. This is Greg. This is Jimmy Sweets. See you next month.
11: Who knocked the crack in the Liberty Bell? Ali! Ali! Who really gave that bell a smack? it so hard that the bell did crack hit it so hard with an awful whack Paul Revere. Ali, Ali, that midnight ride for a country dear. Ali, who made the ride of Paul Revere? He rode so hard and gave the British fear. Ali, oh, Ali. Ali, Ali's
4: always
5: getting blamed, but they- Sometimes few People want to blame that man Although
11: he wasn't there Maybe we should take a look The blame could well be shared who dunked done the tea in the Boston Bay? Ali. Ali! Set fire to the ship that was sitting in the bay Ali! Destroyed the tea so our country could be free. Dressed up like Indian, who was he? Ali.
4: Take a look, the blame good will be